I remember being in my office and I was just like, why? Like, why am I here? I know what I want to do. So I, I need to just do it. And I remember the end of that year, uh, I did my taxes and I realized that I made a little bit more in my business than I did for all of those hours I put in working in my full-time job. And I said, oh my goodness, I, I made what I made in my full-time job in about, I think about 20 to 25 hours of my speaking business, right? And wow. so that told me that I needed to pivot and really focus on what I knew I loved. And that's my pivot point. Straight from the boardroom to the microphone, I'm April Garcia, and this is Pivot Me, easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is Pivot Me. Thank you for joining us today. Our guest we're super pumped to have is Dr. Joe. He's an international speaker on purpose and author of the book, Pursue Your Purpose, Not Your Dreams. With a PhD in counselor education, common sense, and street sense, Dr. Joe's versatility gives him more than 20 years of experience in transformational work and help others unleash their purpose. He has worked with the school system, in uh, universities, Fortune 500 companies, and many individuals rediscovering their true selves and ready to unleash their purpose. His insights are shared on lots of national platforms, including NBC, VH1, and the Oprah Winfrey Network. He's the creator of the Heal Now movement, and Dr. Joe continues to transform the lives of individuals and take organizations to the next level by helping them to think, act, and live with purpose and intention. Welcome to Pivot Me, Dr. Joe. Yes, yes. Look, I'm excited. I, I couldn't wait. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Oh, Dr. Joe and I have had lots of good conversations. So I'm excited <laughs> for us to have them here. So if you would tell us about yourself and and tell us what got you into this type of work. You've got a really varied background. So how did how did you get here? Well, I always love to share with people, you know, like you said in my bio, I've been blessed and I've had the luxury to work with, you know, several Fortune 500 companies, uh, institutions like the uh, University of Michigan, UCLA, and countless entrepreneurs and individuals. And, and what I always share with people is my background as an athlete really brought me to this work. Mm -hmm. I used to play ball in high school and college, had opportunities to work out for in front of some NFL teams. And when that didn't work, life happens, right? Mm -hmm. Life happens. And I knew after working in K through 12, after working in corporate America, after working mm -hmm. in higher education, I knew that I needed to find a career that gave me the same high as mm -hmm. playing sports. And that was speaking, training, and doing the work that I do with a lot of unfulfilled career professionals to help them unleash their purpose. That is amazing. That is, and that's such a good point because I think so many people who after, after that athletic career or whatever that ends up developing into, then they're kind of searching for that high. And when they don't find it, they can feel pretty unfulfilled. Is that is that something that also happened to you and that's why you now help people with it? Or is it just that you saw this need out in the marketplace and you're like, I can really help people with this? Well, both, but I'll start with absolutely. When I was done playing, I was like, what am I going to do? What next? And, you know, and when your identity is caught up 
and mm-hmm. being an athlete or some individuals, for instance, let's take uh, mothers or parents. Sometimes a mother, their identity is is so tapped into only being a mother and there's mm-hmm. so many other layers to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So when my identity was caught up in being an athlete, it was important for me to say, you know what? I need to do something different. And then when I got into it, I said, I need to help others so they don't become stuck like I was. Yeah. It's it's amazing how we're we're best positioned to help those who were us just a few years ago, right? Yep. Yeah. So one of the things we talk about, um, kind of to jump into the the pivot me content is we we talk a lot about these pivots in our lives. And we'll get into that in a second. But what what I love that you already addressed is when we talk about something happen and we make a change, we make a change in our career or our our relationships. We, we often talk about the identity piece. So I'm glad you touched on that right away because people think the struggle is the skill set you need or additional education, but really one of the toughest things to navigate is the identity change. How did you navigate that and how do you help people? Oh my goodness. That is, now that is essential, right? Because yeah. ide- identity is answering that question of who are you or who am I? And mm-hmm. a lot of times, when people ask us that question that sounds so simple, we begin to talk about all the things that are on our resume. And in reality is the first for me, the foundation of understanding who you are is to begin to describe yourself with adjectives. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't say what you do. Don't say right some of the roles that you have, but begin to describe yourself with adjectives. And, and identity is important because, once again, some of us, we like to borrow the identities that our parents give us or mm-hmm. that maybe our pastors or our teachers. And we never take the opportunity to seek really what's in here and who am I? So it's critical to tap into that identity piece. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because a lot of people don't realize they're bumping up against their identity, right? So whether that's, um, I was in the corporate world and then I went out and started a business, but I was this, you know, successful six, seven figure executive. And now how do I switch that identity? Or you mentioned mothers, you know, someone who's got this thriving career and they become a mother. How do they struggle with that identity shift? Or maybe they stayed home and then they re-enter the workplace. Those are all people immediately think, okay, what skills do I need? But it's usually, how do I switch my identity? Is there is there a couple of tips that you can give on maybe what helped you in switching that, in reframing that? You mentioned that, describe yourself as adjectives. What do you see people do and you go, oh, I wish they weren't doing this. I wish instead they would do that. Like actual real life examples. So the, the people who are listening right now go, oh, I am bumping up against that. And how do I get over it? Absolutely. Well, the, well, the first thing is this, because one of the things that we've heard a lot in our lives is, you know, we, we have the ability to attract things, right? Mm-hmm. This manifestation state. And one of the things that I've learned in my experience working with a lot of individuals is that many of them can manifest things, but they can't manifest who they are from within, mm-hmm. right? And the reason that is, is because once again, we've been programmed to look and to think and to believe and to act certain ways. And the first step that I always tell people, one, like I said earlier, is to begin to describe yourself in adjectives. But one that is critical is to put yourself around the energy of people who you know are so confident in who they are, they're Mm -hmm. operating and they're aligned with who they are. And when you do that, that energy from those individuals will jump right into you. Why? Because energy, right, is a frequency. What is frequency? Information. So you'll receive that 
And you'll begin to say, okay, I need to look at this about myself, or I need to rethink this about myself. And we always have to reassess who we think we are, because sometimes we can get stuck in one particular place when it's time for you to graduate to that next level of who you are, instead of creating that divorce from who you are. Sure. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. We talk a lot on Pivot Me about designing your peer group, though a lot of us have a default peer group. They're the people we work with, the people that we live next to. And you've got to, that's fine. We can be friends and maybe our kids play together. Maybe we live next door and we have barbecues, but you also have to design that peer group because you really are the people you spend the majority of your time with. I love when Steve Harvey says, if nine of your friends are broke, you'll be the 10th. That's, it's good. It's good. (laughs) It's just the power of the peer group. And so if you are making this identity shift, I love the idea of then design, pick the right people to be around that energy because our default setting will be to be around the people that we were accustomed to being. So we've got to make this very conscious decision of, hey, we've got to seek out these other people to support who we are becoming, not who we were. Yeah, and and, and let me say this because it's important for me to acknowledge the difficulties in doing that for certain populations of people or for certain mm-hmm. environments. So if you grew up in like, a low income or some might say maybe even the the trailer park right i'm doing this Mm -hmm. because a lot of people will say things like oh i'm from the hood yeah right and i always tell people look here the hood is a place right right or excuse Mm -hmm. me the hood is not a place the Mm -hmm. hood is a state of mind that's why you get people who leave Mm -hmm. the hood but they have the same issues yeah you see what i'm saying and so For some individuals who are environments like that, it's very difficult because maybe they don't have the money to just up and leave. They haven't developed the mindset yet to say, you know what, I'm not around the right people. Or maybe they're just so programmed to think that the environment of chaos that they're in is how life is. They haven't seen anything else. So let me say this exposure to something new is different for those individuals to know that they're not in the right place. Yeah, that's so good. So when when someone's in a situation like that, so I mean, where I naturally go to is, okay, we always have access to books or to YouTube videos or something like that. If someone's in that where they feel so removed from where they'd like to be, but they have kind of stuck in this mindset, whether that's physical location or familial ties, like this is how it's, this is how it is because this is how it's always been. How do people break free of that? Oh, see, this is the, this is the power of the internet. This We're is the power right into it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. The power of social media, mm-hmm. the power of YouTube, the power of being able to to even books, right? Mm-hmm. Books are books are not foreign. Books are now right on your phone. Everybody has a phone, right? So what I mean by that is I have mentors. I have people that have helped shape me that I mm-hmm. do not know, but I consume their information and their content through social media, through the internet. Why? Because I am feeding myself. That is part of my diet. Diet mm-hmm. isn't only the food that you consume. It's mm-hmm. also the content that you consume. Yeah. It's so, and you got to be careful. So we're talking about putting stuff in, but also sometimes we got to remove stuff out because Ooh. when you've got the choice of like, am I going to watch this video that's going to entertain me, but really not progress me at all. You could do that or you could watch Tony Robbins speak or John Maxwell speak or Les Brown or some of the great speakers that are motivational and insightful and give you tools. That's a choice we all make. Like most of us, if you live in the U.S., most countries, but if you live in the U.S., you likely spend a decent amount of time with a digital diet. Um, Choose it. Don't let it choose you. Don't just click on the next recommended video. Go out and seek these greats. You can stand on the shoulders of giants. You just got to click the button to listen to them. 
That's that's that is so true. And 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 to simplify it, it's all about like if you go to uh someone's page on LinkedIn or Instagram and someone that you like, man, they're they're doing their thing or they're a great speaker or I love what they're doing in their business, go and see who follows them and also who they follow mm-hmm. and start to follow them because they're not going to keep people around them that's not going to help them get to that next level. That's so true. Well, Dr. Joe, talk to us about um, the difference between purpose and dreams. I kind of want to get into your content and some of your teaching. So explain the difference to us. So let me let me let me say this. So I always share with people the first thing that I usually say is pursue your purpose, not your dreams. It's the title of my book. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a conversation starter. And some people are like, well, what do you mean? And I have to share with them. If you go to the fundamental definition of what dreams are and that definition of purpose, there's a distinction there. Dreams are thoughts or ideas that may or may not come true, right? That's the fundamental definition. Mm -hmm. Purpose is the reason for which something or someone exists. Just Mm -hmm. in those definitions alone, for me, purpose is more powerful. That does not mean you don't dream because I'll never tell anybody not to dream. But what I will say is put your dreams in context. Right. And we've been programmed to believe that we find our purpose. We discover our purpose. But if you understand the spiritual connection to that word purpose, it's already in you. It's a God given Mm -hmm. gift. So it's about unleashing your purpose. That is beautiful. And what I heard also is I heard a pull versus push. Sometimes our dreams, we kind of have to push for them and work hard. There's there's always work involved. But when I hear purpose, I think of a pull, like something that's pulling you to it. It's sort of if you just get quiet and listen, it's there. You're being pulled towards it. So it's uh, anyways, it was just kind of a little thought that popped in my mind. It's like I hear pull. I hear pull in there. But that's good. And and the reason that that's good, let me let me share this with you. I've worked mm-hmm. with um, I've coached some women. Right. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I that I would say to them is, one, I am not a woman. I don't have the experience of a woman. So I'm not speaking to you as though I do. Sure. But what I would say is, if, if in my experience working with women, particularly for a lot of them, either they became parents. And so they were so focused on being a parent or that maybe they got married or a long-term relationship. They came, became focused on being the best partner or they were career driven women when they were so focused on right going up in their careers or building their business. And a lot of them forgot about what it is that they really wanted to do when they were younger. And it's so interesting as I work with them, how they would always end up right back to what they knew they wanted to do. Maybe when they were in high school or in college, it is crazy. So when you talk about that pull versus pull versus push, that's real. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I think one of the things that we've got to be clear about is you have to get, you have to have some real conversations with yourself or with a coach, someone that's going to that pull this out of you because your current life is just maintaining your current life. If you're going to invest in a future, that takes some clarity. And sometimes it's getting quiet of all the noise and stuff like quieting that down and then going, okay, what, what's the real purpose? Like how, what maybe go back to what did you originally want to be in the very beginning before the world told you you needed to be someone else? Yeah. That, that's what a lot of us do. I, mm-hmm. I know that uh, I've worked once again, I've worked in higher ed before. And so I know, yeah. and I've worked in K through 12 and I've worked in corporate. So I've had students of mine who they were, they would, they would go right into the formula that society gave us, graduate high school, go to college and you'll get a great job, which is not real. 
which yeah. is not real, right? And what I realized, even with some of my students um, when I was in higher ed who were mm-hmm. graduating, they were frustrated because they knew that the degree that they had, it wasn't what they really wanted to do, mm-hmm. right? And so they were almost forced into saying, hey, get that engineering degree or get that computer science degree because that's where the money is going to be, yeah. right? And you can be, let me say this to all my career professionals that may be watching this, you can make money, you can be productive, but at the same time, be unfulfilled. So you Mm got to be careful in what you choose to do in your life. For sure. And for the parents listening, be careful about how you encourage your kids in that regard. I actually um, just heard this. um, it It was just a social media post and the gal was talking about career advice that she got that was so valuable to her. And she was telling the story about this man who wrote in and he said, he said, I went through eight years of university and and law school to become a lawyer. And he said, within the first year, I immediately, this was advice he gave her. Within the first year, I immediately knew I hated being a lawyer. And he said, and I went and talked to my family about it. And his family's like, you just did eight years of college and you've got a couple hundred thousand in student debt. You can't just quit after a year, right? And he said, so I practiced law for 50 years Mm. and I hated 50 years of it. And he said, and to think I could have only hated one year of it and done something else. Mm, that, Powerful. That speaks to my soul. Why? Because there are so many individuals like that. Mm-hmm. They're sitting in their offices right now, or maybe they're at home in their home office because a lot of folks are virtual. And in their soul, their soul has, it's been speaking to them for, for years. Like this uh-huh. isn't it. This isn't it. But they didn't listen. They don't listen and they yeah. won't listen. Why? Because there's pressure to fulfill everyone else's need except our own. For sure. Right? For and sure. we have we have to sometimes get selfish and say, you know what? If this isn't right for me, mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I do something and make some adjustments, make that pivot mm-hmm. so that I can love my life. <laughs> and and the truth is, is if you don't listen, because we got lots of examples, there's, I mean, open up your door, you're going to see 50 examples of people who aren't listening, right? Who are doing something that they feel like they're obligated to either, well, this is just how it is, or this was what my parents expected of me, or now I've got, you know, a wife and kids, and this is just how I need to support them. There's lots of examples of that. But here is the thing, when you know you're supposed to be doing something else, and you're not honoring that, you're not listening to it it eats away at you and you start doing things, you start self-sabotaging because you, you're you trying to quiet that pool and that can be that, that can be gambling, that can be drugs, that can be alcohol. I mean, there's lots of people who are just trying to quiet that noise with alcohol and I'm not, not shaming alcohol at all, but if we're using it as a tool to quiet something inside of us that we know needs to get out, um, it can really mess up your life, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm just sitting here thinking about... Um, one of my first or second years in graduate school, my master's degree, I think first, might've been my first, I thought I wanted to be a principal, right? And this is what a lot of individuals should do to prevent them from doing something long-term that they know they really don't want to do. I thought I wanted to be a principal and I, I set up an opportunity to go spend one day inside the school with the principal. Within the first hour, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Right. So it took me just a couple of hours to go and actually do what I thought I wanted to do to convince me to say this isn't it. So that's one tool people can use. Yeah. I'm so glad you did that, though, Joe, because so many people skip that stage. You know, it's like and and whether that's adults or kids. I mean, my kids want to be a a veterinarian. And I was like, luckily, we know a couple of them. So you're going to spend a day shadowing them and see if this is really what you want to do, because it's not really. 
you got to know what it's really like before you go pursue it. Otherwise, the combination of time and finance and expectations of yourself and others will create this perfect storm and lock you into a career you never wanted to do. You you never knew it was going to be like this. And then once you realize, you're like, oh, shit, now I'm committed. Like, I can't get out of this, right? <laughs> you know, I, I almost, you know, I would almost argue that mm-hmm. we're we're almost... And you're going to hear me use this word programmed a lot because mm-hmm. just because we're human, right? We're similar to computers, cell phones, For right? Sure. We're programmed. We get programmed. And I mm-hmm. think many of us are programmed to feel like once we start something, we need to finish it. But the re- the, the reality is, I understand that concept for certain things, but mm-hmm. once you start something and you don't like it, you got to get out of there. You got to mm-hmm. get out of there because especially in your professional life, if your profession, because you spend a lot of time in your professional life, if your sure. professional life is not where you want it, it's going to definitely impact every other area of your life, especially your personal life. For sure. Don't be that lawyer that invests 50 years practicing law. Be the lawyer that invests one and goes, well, I'm out. This That's wasn't right. for me. <laughs> it wasn't for me. So so help us understand um, one thing that you talk on is individual healing is so important and how it directly connects to purpose and profit. So talk to us about that. And again, you've got the unique perspective of speaking from, I've worked in the school district. I'm watching these young minds get formed to college. Now they're cutting their teeth on their profession to Fortune 500 companies. So give us some insight from there. Yeah, so let me let me share this from a, a personal um, journey. In the 2019, my partner and I, uh, we were going through a rough patch, and it was probably about to be over. And I was speaking, I got off stage, and I just felt like a total contradiction because I knew that my home life wasn't where it needed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I said, you know what? I'm not going to look outwardly, I had to say, what is wrong with me? What am I doing or not doing that's making me feel this way? And so I started therapy. I was going to therapy twice a week. My family and I had the opportunity to go on a show on Oprah's network called Iyanla Fix My Life, uh, all about healing. And I really started, I just started this journey of individual healing. And as I began to release a lot of the things that happened in my life, because I always say, many of us are recovering from our childhood. Right. When I begin to release those things, I started to see things starting to happen. My my family, we became closer. My partner and I, her and I became closer. And I just created this this abundance of opportunities coming my way, relationships getting better and that stress just being released from my life. So that that individual healing will allow you to align in your purpose, but also introduce you to other forms of profit. And really, you'll just be like, oh, my goodness, this feeling of bliss and a lack of stress is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is when those things are weighing on our mind, um, it takes up, we talk a lot about mental real estate. It's taking up mental real estate, right? So if you show up at work and you're leading an organization and you're rallying a team and you're inspiring people, but in your mind, you just had your sixth fight with your partner at home right before you came in. You're kidding yourself if you think that's not affecting your productivity. It is. Or how you show up in the world or how what kind of energy you bring to your team. It absolutely does. And so those things really, really bleed over. So sometimes it's how we show up as leaders. Sometimes it's the way we talk to people, the way we inspire people, our rosy or negative outlook on the world. Um, That The rest of the stuff, 
we work hard to drop it at the door, but it still it still comes with us. Like all our problems walk just through the door with us. And so take the time to address them. I mean, what was that like? I'm, I'm curious, Dr. Joe, I imagine you, again, you're up on stage and you're talking to people about these things and you got this gnawing feeling like, man, I don't have my stuff tight yet. How, how, does, how do you navigate that? Is that, I mean, does imposter syndrome come up when you're, when, when you're dealing with that? Or talk to us about navigating it. As I, as I think about it, I don't, I didn't feel like an imposter. Mm-hmm. I felt like Les Brown says the best. He says, we shouldn't practice what we preach. He says, we should preach what we practice. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I wasn't practicing what I was preaching, you see? And mm-hmm. people may not have noticed the struggles that I was going through that didn't know me, but the people that knew me, they felt that energy. They said, mm-hmm. Joe, what's going on? Something, something is a little off. And so I knew that the people that were close to me, if they felt it and I was feeling it, I had to do something about it. So it was important for me to take accountability and acknowledge what needed to be done, figure out what it was and take action towards healing whatever whatever it was I needed healing with. For sure. And the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll speak to on that is um, taking accountability is so important. You know, I'm a huge believer in, in extreme ownership because we can't expect anyone else to release us, whether that's our childhood and it's our parents. It, you know, we have to make amends however we make them. And if they're, if your parents are still here, you know, maybe that's a conversation. Maybe that's a letter. Maybe it's a letter that you never send. But really, the healing, it's on us. It's not on anyone else. We've got to, we've got to do that. If we're going to live these bigger, fulfilled lives, um, nobody gives us that permission slip. We have to sign that ourselves. And you know what? That's that is so true. And and I realized for a lot of my leaders that may be watching us, for a, a, a lot of uh, individuals who may have their own businesses, and and, and mm-hmm. maybe it's just you, or maybe you have employees. But one of the things that I realize about that word accountability is that when we don't take accountability, it impacts our accounts receivable, mm. right? So we have to, we have to acknowledge when, when we did something wrong. We have to acknowledge when we have to do better in a specific place. It's not just in our personal lives. It's also in our businesses. Yeah, they really do bleed over. We always talk about in Pivot Me, we talk about this this pivot point, right? This moment when it all changed. So I don't know if it's the moment you got off the stage or if it was something else, but, and sometimes it's dramatic. Sometimes it's, I got stuck on a, you know, a um, roller coaster upside down for an hour and I thought about my life. That's Ian Koniak's story, great story. Um, Sometimes it's a career change. Was there a moment for you when everything changed and there was this inflection point and then everything was different after that? Yeah, so one is uh, that point when I hopped off the stage and I just felt contradictive and there were talks about getting a divorce with my partner, right? Mm -hmm. But there's another one before that. And that was when I was working full-time, I was doing my PhD full-time and I was was working on my business. And I, I remember being in my office and I was just like, why? Like, why am I here? I know what I want to do, so I, I need to just do it. And I remember the end of that year, uh, I did my taxes, and I realized that I made a little bit more in my business than I did for all of those hours I put in working in my full-time job. And I said, oh, my goodness. I, I made what I made in my full-time job in about, I think, about 20 to 25 hours of my speaking business, right? And wow. so that told me that I needed to pivot and really focus on what I knew I loved. And that's my pivot point. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's actually seeing the finances that really was like the catalyst, but it's not just chasing the finances. It's because that's the part that you really love doing too, right? Oh, uh, you talk about, so this is the thing I always share. It's not about just about the money, right? And, Mm -hmm. And let me be clear. When you start a business, it's you start a business not to just if do a nonprofit is if you just want to save the world. But when you start a business, you want to make money, sure. right? But for for me, I never realized that when I was speaking, the amount of lies that I would change or the emails mm-hmm. that I would get about I was going to commit suicide or I was depressed. Thank you so much. So for me, I didn't realize that, and that is is even more important than the amount of money that I can make because you know you're saving and changing lives. Absolutely. And the thing about something like speaking, we we talk about this in, in Pivot Me as well, is, is multiplying your impact. And so sometimes in work, we're, we're dealing with people on a one-to-one basis or one-to-small group, which is important and you can impact those people. But if you really, our time on this earth is finite. And so if you, if you're really driven to make massive impact, you've got to get on bigger stages. You've got to get in front of more people because there's people there are people that are that are googling for the answers that are already in your head. So the bigger rooms, the bigger audience that you can speak to and and virtual, you know, when we're doing it virtually, it's infinite. I mean, you can speak to tons of people, but there are people that really need your message. And so I love that you that you did this and now you are speaking on these large stages that you are speaking to tons of people that get the benefit of your experience, your knowledge, your your formal education as well as just your informal, your street education, um which can be so important, you know. Oh, yeah. com- <laughs> common sense is one of the least common sense of all. Um <laughs> I I love that you're doing this um and you're impacting people's lives like this. Yeah. And, and, and just to be clear, I always share with people, you know, when you have the, the ability to communicate and communicate effectively, right, you have the ability to, because I always share, I say this, I say this all the time, because everybody claims they're a speaker. You go to their LinkedIn, um, in their bios, I'm a speaker, I do this. And in reality, this, this is not a game. Like, I don't play with the, the, the world of speaking, right? And what I mean by that is anybody can talk, but everybody can't speak. It's hard to educate entertain, inspire, motivate all at the same time. And there's different forms of speaking, right? Keynote, uh, webinars. I even think mm-hmm. writing books, that's a form of speaking. But yeah. but I say that to say this. When you have the ability to communicate, figure out different ways in which you can do it. And one of the things that I'm doing, I know that there are more people because they're in the house, they're watching TV more, they're on their laptops more, they're on their phone watching shows. So I've been able to go to LA and pitch a couple of shows because I don't want to just use my voice only on the stage and speaking. I want to use it in ways to get out to the people, like you said, get to as many people as you can. Everything demands your attention right now. You want to be on your A game, but you need two of you just to manage your day. But what if I could multiply you? What if I told you there are secrets that top performers are using right now to still get ahead? There are, and I'll give them to you. In my new Four Steps videos, I'll show you how to master distraction, practice prioritization, get the right things done without working more hours. And for now, I'm doing it for free. Your time is priceless right now, and you need to take back control of your day and your to-do list. Go to pivot-me.com backslash four steps, and you can begin the videos within seconds. We all need more time right now, and four steps will give it to you. Yes, you can multiply yourself, and I'll show you how to do it in four steps. 
So um, we've got a question here from Michelle Newman and, and just to give context. So this is for people that maybe are newer to speaking, maybe aspiring speakers, or you know, they when they still get up on stage, they get a little nervous. So she asked the question of, you know, thank you, Dr. Joe, for all that you do. Do you get nervous when you speak? And what do you do to hype yourself up before you speak? <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I don't really get nervous anymore, but mm-hmm. I get these butterflies. And the yeah. same butterflies that I would get when I was getting ready to go out on the field when I played football or yeah. when I used to play basketball, it's the same butterflies. And what I always do, because one of the tricks that I use, uh, President Obama, and he goes out into the room, everyone's going to know who he is. But one sure. of the things that I've been able to do is sometimes I'll just go in the audience or in the hallways and just talk to people. They don't even know that I'm the speaker. I'll just go mm-hmm. talk to them, right? And then right before I'm going on stage, I just need about five minutes of quiet time to just get into my head and get into that mode so I can go out there, flush those butterflies out and kill it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, do you use any music? I, I know a lot of speakers, we enjoy music right before. Do you ever use a song? Oh, yeah. So okay. so, so the quiet time and then right before there's there's a little I I, I, lo- I love Jay-Z. So I'm also I'm, I'm usually bumping some Jay-Z, but something that's it's the same as when I used to play ball and get that yeah. high piece that gets me ready. Same. <laughs> For sure. Too bad we can't walk out like boxers or MMA right. fighters do. Yeah. <laughs> like they're blaring music. And that's what that's what we need for speaking engagements. Right. Um, right. Oh, that's good. That's good. So so speaking of being an athlete and, and the life that you live now, I'm curious uh about success principles. So things that you do, whether that's a morning routine, things that, you know, meditation, I I, I work out every day. What what success principles did you maybe maybe they carried over from you being an athlete? What do you use today to make you successful? Well, th- love that question. Definitely working out. Right. Mm-hmm. I work out all the time, um, probably at least four to five times a week uh, just to it, and it used to be for the physical part. You know, you want to look mm-hmm. good and, you know, you want to be strong enough to, to handle those 300 pound men um, out there on the field. But now it's for my mental health and it, it, yeah. it gives me the stamina to be able to do the work that I do. Because sometimes people don't know when you're when you're on a stage or when you're you're doing this thing virtually and you're, you're really giving your all, it can drain you. So you have to be ready. Tony Robbins is a great example. He will go like the whole day and you're like, how is this man still functioning? Right. So, <laughs> so so for me, it's, it's making sure that physically I'm ready. But another thing that I do and I tell people this all the time. Um, I pray because prayer is your ask to whoever you believe in, but also Mm -hmm. meditate because that's your opportunity to listen for what you ask for. Listen for the answer. So those are Mm -hmm. two of the things that I do. So good. So good. So with, um, so a lot of our listeners, um, work out. But um, one of the questions we get is, okay, well, how do you make sure you schedule it in? You know, many of the listeners are, you know, business owners, uh, a lot of times parents. So we're juggling multiple uh, competing priorities. Do you schedule it in, Joe? Do you do it at the exact same time? How does that become like a critical piece of your week? It's not an option. It's not an option. Mm. It's, It's the same way I have to get up and and get my kids ready for school or the same way I have to go to a meeting at 8 a.m. if I have a meeting or or the same way I have to do whatever. It's part of my lifestyle. Yeah. It's a lifestyle thing. So when you make it a lifestyle thing, you'll do it because when you don't do it, you'll feel it in your body and you'll feel it in the way that you operate every day. 
Yeah, it's so true. So true. And it does, it kind of starts out as I want to be stronger. I want to look better. And then somewhere in your 30s or 40s, it starts <laughs> like, oh, I need this for my health. That's I need, right. That's I need right. to release some dopamine or serotonin. <laughs> you start doing it for neurotransmitters. It's totally yep. different. Or if you're a parent, you're like, I got to do this to maintain my maintain my cool, my patience. Your sanity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It evolves, but it's still so important. Um, right. Is there anything else that you're like, oh, this is huge. So I heard prayer in there as well. Just, you know, when people are looking at, okay, I need to make sure that this is in my week. Or um, do you use, you know, affirmations, things that you tell yourself, whether that's before you get up on stage or, hey, I want to make sure that I deliver um, in the best that I can. Is there anything additional like that? Absolutely. Uh, although I, I love music. I love music. Mm-hmm. However, I listen to more podcasts than I listen to music. Sure. Right. I am always feeding my mind. I listen to more audiobooks than I do music. I am always feeding my mind because I know that has to be part of my diet. Not only what I consume right in terms of food or what I'm drinking, but mm-hmm. also what I'm putting up here, putting right here and putting right here. Right. I always say we have to work on our mindset our heart set and our soul set so we can get Mm -hmm. to our next level. So true. So true. And the people that you work with, Dr. Joe, are they, are they looking for that next level of success? Are they, I'm, I'm out of alignment and I want to get back in alignment. Is it, Hey, I've, I'm this far down the road on this career that I'm really not passionate about who, who's kind of your ideal person that you work with? Yeah. So my, my, my specific audience It's uh, unfulfilled career professionals that are looking to transition into a career that they love and a Mm -hmm. life that they desire without stress. Mm -hmm. That's my ideal client. Now, I have some other folks who I deal with, but everything is surrounding unleashing your purpose. But that is my ideal client. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I'm trying to think of how you walk through that process. Can you give us just a little behind the scenes on how you walk through that process? Because who you just described, man, there's there's a lot of people like that that can use your help. You got to start speaking more, Dr. Joe, um, on more <laughs> stages. Can you give us a little behind the scenes on what you walk them through? Absolutely. So there's, there's, a, there's a model that I operate from, and it looks like a triangle. And at the base of that triangle um, is awareness. Mm. Right. And we have to become aware of where we are. We have to be, become aware of, of of some of the habits that we have, good and bad. We have to become aware of everything about us and around us. Right. The second part is the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. Given given ourselves the knowledge, the necessary knowledge that we need to reprogram how we think so we can impact our actions. And right in the top part of that is the skills. That's when you gain the skills right? To do what it is that you've become aware of and the knowledge, right? And so Mm -hmm. awareness, knowledge, skills, that's what I walk them through. And what happens with a lot of people, they want to skip steps. They want to get, just get, take me to the skill or they want to get to the knowledge and then try to do it without gaining the skill. You can't do that. You have to Mm -hmm. go in the sequence that is best for you. And that's the sequence I use awareness, knowledge, skills. Yeah. It's funny because people do sit down and go, all right, what's the skill? Like, what, <laughs> what book do I need to read? Do I need to take a class? Let's just get right to it. And you're like, ah, you got to do some of the other work too. So that's, right. uh, that is, that's good. So one thing I'm curious about, kind of going back to your history. So PhD, mm-hmm. major, major commitment. Um, is that, okay, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I was burning desire. Do you come from a long line of PhD holders? Talk to us about that journey. Look here. Absolutely not. I <laughs> <laughs> So I always share with people, I graduated high school with a 1.6. Wow. I, gradu- I graduated undergrad with a 2.4. Wow. 
And remember, those were the days where I was so focused and my identity was only me as the athlete, right? Um, but I ended up getting a PhD. Uh, the first one in my family, on my mother's side, out of 28, 29 grandchildren, the first one to get a college degree. Um, I'm, the, I'm the only one wow. in my large family to have a PhD. So I broke a lot of cycles. And that's what I'm here for. I always say I am an angelic disruptor in every area that I tap into. <laughs> Would other people describe you as an angelic disruptor too? Does, oh, does the they, family receive that they well? Will. <laughs> okay, good. They, well, hold on, hold on. It may not always be angelic to them. Okay. I was like, <laughs> it's angelic. I'm focused on here. <laughs> oh. oh man. So there, oh gosh, I'm so glad I asked that question, Dr. Joe, because I'm just thinking about this 1.6 GPA high school, 2.4 undergrad. Most people First, they would have stopped at high school. They would have said, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at school. I'm not academic. I, I'm an athlete. Like I will, I will chase the ball like no one's business, but I'm not going to do algebra or trigonometry. Yeah. I mean, that's talk about breaking some norms there in that, you know, when we struggle in high school, we think, oh, I'm going to struggle in college. And then you you get the 2.4 in undergrad, which is a huge step up, but still a lot of people won't make that jump of, and now I'm going to go do more. I'm going to go to like the pinnacle of higher education. I mean, how did you make that transition? Plus, I would love for you to speak to if if you didn't come from a background, if, if you're first generation to do this kind of stuff, I mean, were people supportive over that? So I'll say this, the best thing that I ever did when I came out of high school um, I didn't have the grades to go uh, straight to a division one. So I went to a community college, but in that, in that time, and I was, I took, you know, zero level hundred courses, which is almost like you're repeating some of the courses in high school. Mm -hmm. um, I did that, but it gave me the confidence to say, I can actually do this. I can actually do this. Now, was I a, a straight A student in college? No, but it gave me the confidence to stick to it and to be able to get through. Right. And I'll say this, um, I have one of the best families and I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, other folks will say that as well, but my family, they always said to me, you're going to do some major things. Right. Mm. And so the support of my mother, my father, even though they weren't together, uh, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, right. The support that I had from my family was great. Now, the funny thing is now when I try to say, Hey, well, how about you look at it this way? They'll say to me, Oh, you think because you have a PhD? I'm like, well, what do you mean? I'm just giving you another perspective. So it's always funny once you do get a terminal degree, people assume that you think you know everything. <laughs> like, we well, should have never encouraged him to do that. Right, I think right. he has the answer to everything. He's good at trivia night, but besides that, don't let him speak in your life. <laughs> That's one of the things I was going to ask you is, was there someone who encouraged you? And it sounds like you've got a whole host of people um, that really said, hey, there's something in you. I can't help but think going from high school to college that when you're sitting in a college class and if you struggled in high school, that you're looking around going, I'm a fish out of water. I mean, did you experience that? And if so, how did you overcome it? Well, I think during that time, you know, I was only 17, 18 year old, 18, mm -hmm. 18 years old when I got to my freshman year in college. And for me, I was so upset that I did not go to a larger college, even though some of them called me, but I didn't have the grades that I committed to saying, I'm going to mm -hmm. make it no matter what. And so I've always had the utmost confidence in my abilities, um, especially in sports. And I, I almost transitioned that mindset to say, whatever you have to do, 
you're going to get through this. And once again, I wasn't an A student, but I got through college. Mm. That's so good that you translated that confidence from sports into academia because so many people will silos, silo those like, yeah. oh, I'm really good at this, but I'm not good at that. And if they realize that it's like, no, it's not that you're good at football. It's that you're good at discipline. It's yeah. that you're good at goal setting. If people just translate those skills over to every area in their life, um, then we get the benefit of all the hard work that we've done. But where we get where we get caught is we silo them. Like, oh, I was really good at this this one obscure thing, or I'm good at this thing over here that's not going to apply to the rest of my adult life. No, you're good at putting your mind to something. You're good at grit. You're good at tenacity, and apply those through the rest of your life, and you'll do just fine. Talk to them. You you now you speak it. You speak in my language. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so true. Those those. Those uh, those skills, those transferable skills, mm-hmm. people forget about them, right? The, being able to work in a team, right? Being yeah. being being able to to look at a game plan and say, okay, this is how what we have to create, and then execute the game plan. Like it's the same. That's what yeah. we do in businesses, right? And so people so forget people forget that. And I, and just like you said, if they transfer these skills from other areas of their life and don't silo them, I'm telling you, they will win in, in, in any area that they tap into. So um, okay, there's so many more questions I want to, I, I want to be respectful of our time slot, Dr. Joe, but I'm like, there's so many questions I want to ask because <laughs> I love stories where people totally have broken out of the norm. Like, all right, this is how the people before me went. This is how I thought my trajectory was going to go. And, and then I took a totally different path. It's just, it's so incredibly powerful. Um, how much did your experience that we were just talking about, how much did that contribute to the work that you did in the school system? Is it just, I, I understand the highs and lows. I mean, I imagine you brought a lot of that experience into helping others within the school system. Oh yeah. My background is counseling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of what I've been able to create uh, when working with individuals and in, in, in working with companies, doing trainings, all that fun stuff. Um, I take a lot of some of the foundation uh, that I've learned about counseling and I implement it into some of the work that I've done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they don't even know that that's where it's coming from. But when, you, when you're trained as a counselor, as a therapist, there's certain tools that you're able to use. And there's a certain lens that you're also able to view things from that other people's can't. You know? Yeah. I, I would love, I'm gonna put you on the spot here, Dr. Joe, but I would love for you to share a couple of those insights. So again, a lot of people listening are running businesses. Many are business owners. Sometimes they're just in um, leadership roles. Mm-hmm. Is there a couple of tools or a couple of tips that you could say, use this, not that, ways that they can either connect with their team, listen to their team better, inspire their team better, and maybe even something for some parents as well? Oh, absolutely. The, the first one is gonna sound so simple, but it's so critical. You have two ears. And one mouth. But too many of us, we talk too much. Let me let me say it even better. We talk too damn much. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you heard it right here. <laughs> so true. Sit back and listen, right? Allow people to speak to you. In, 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 in some organizations that I've been to, I noticed that the, the culture was built where there was a fear to be able to speak and say something to the folks who are in upper management or in the C-suite, right? Okay. And what we have to understand is when you listen, you're going to get all the information that you need. So you have to develop a culture that people will actually share what's on their mind, but you also have to listen as a leader, right? Another thing another thing is this. Some of us, what we do, what, what we do when we're working with individuals we we're not listening to anything that they're saying. We're just waiting to just 
say whatever it is that we're thinking and, and combat whatever it is that they're saying, sometimes it is okay for you to just slow down and just say, wow, thank you for sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. Show appreciation. Because for some or some organizations, it's very hard and very scary for individuals to share certain things with you. So when you can say thank you so much for sharing and I appreciate you from a genuine, authentic place, it'll go a long way. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. You know, one thing, um, as you're talking, I thought of a, a, a scenario that was shared with me. So my, uh, my former sensei, he ran several different organizations and one of the techniques he would use in conflict resolution that I thought was so powerful, so simple. He'd bring two people in and say, okay, I'm going to hear from, from you, Sarah. And then I want to hear from you, Bob. And then Sarah's going to go first. Sarah da, 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 says all her stuff, right? So Bob's preparing his rebuttal. He's like, oh, that's not right. And that, she's got that detail wrong. When Sarah's done, he then looks at Bob and says, okay, Bob, what did you just hear Sarah yep. say? <laughs> like, oh, snap. I wasn't listening. Yep. How many of us are guilty of that? Well, our partner starts talking, starts talking. We're like, no, you were supposed to pick up the milk. We specifically, we're automatically planning our rebuttal. Um, and I thought, oh God, that's so simple. He told me that years ago and I completely used it. Thank you, Ed Sumner. Um, I've used it so time. many times, right? <laughs> oh, it's so true. Actually yeah. listening. And 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 the other thing that's so important is think about what we want as humans. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to know that we're important and we belong. Give them that. At least let them know they're seen and heard. That's so, so important or else they'll just keep coming back to the same damn point because they know right. you didn't hear them. That's right. Oh, that's that, so is, that, that, that is so true. And I, and, and I will add this last piece to it. Um, a lot of times we'll have, we may have some dialogue with our employees or even with our our partners or just a friend. We'll, we'll have this dialogue and the dialogue in, but we never came to a a final solution of what we're going to do. And then we go do whatever. We're like, hold on. I didn't say to do, or I didn't, we don't finalize the discussion. Right. So it's going to be important for us as we have this dialogue. And I'm working. I'm saying this because I'm working on it with my partner. I'm working on it. Right. And I'm working on doing it with individuals that I work with, just making sure that I finalize and come to a conclusion of what we said and what is the action once we do that. So true. God. And it's true in marriages, it's true in organizations and like, like bookend it, say, okay, here's what, here's what I'm walking away with, you know, and that's, that's so important. If every conversation and every meeting we ended with like, all right, what, what's everybody walking away with? I'm walking yep. away with the project is now going ahead, but it's moved out to June and I'm yep. starting on this piece. Got it. You right. understood it. Or with your partner. Okay. I'm walking away with, we disagreed that the kid's bedtime. This is an argument in our household. Um, <laughs> I'm, agree- I'm agreeing that the kid's bedtime is now 830 and mom's <clears throat> going to stop pushing it because I tend to push it. It's it's true. Um, but like <laughs> Instead of us just discussing about like, well, we're going to have a bedtime. What's it going to be? Da, 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 we have to bookend the conversation with, here's what I heard. Here's what I'm walking away with. And that's, that's so important. One of the things we talk about, so I um, worked in negotiation for years and I've trained lots of people in negotiation. And I tell people all the time, and this is true in sales negotiation and and any relationship where if you got two humans involved, it's likely true. I said, people are jerks a lot less of the time than you think. People take advantage of each other a lot less than you think. It's usually that people have not communicated expectations. They have not clarified, hey, this is what, I mean, whether that's you buying a car and negotiating for a job or, or a discussion with your partner, it's usually people come in with different perspectives. They have different expectations. Usually they're left uncommunicated because 
we're just not good at communicating them unless we actively work on it. And then everybody walks away with their own set of expectations. And if we stop and say, all right, what'd you hear? What did I hear? Where are we going from there? Um, again, people are jerks a lot less of the time. That's real. That's real. And, and yeah. I, I believe that we, we definitely have way more good-hearted people than we like to give. We, we like to give credit for. And, and, you know, there's a lot going on in the world, but there are a lot of great people out here. There sure are. I just read this quote the other day that says, uh, proximity lends itself to empathy. Um, and so when we get close to people and that's also, I, I would, I would change that a little bit and say, and we really hear each other. Um, there's, there's a lot, a lot of empathy there and you'll see the goodness in people. But when we, when we're far back from them, we're not listening to them. It's just on social media and people aren't always their best on social media. Um, then there is an empathy, there is an understanding, but when we get up real close with people and we have real conversations, um, there's a lot of goodness there. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got one other question for you, but before okay. I get to that last question, um, where do people find you, Dr. Joe? So right now uh, I'm making sure that the experience that I had and the journey that I went on in terms of my individual healing, I'm doing that for others. So you can go to healnow2021.com. Let me say that again, healnow2021.com, because that's my focus right now. And, and, and once again, your purpose and your profit is directly connected to your individual healing. So don't neglect it. Don't neglect it like so many of us have, like I have. Make sure you take advantage of opportunities to heal. The other thing is I'm on LinkedIn as Dr. Joe Johnson. Everybody knows me as Dr. Joe, but I'm on LinkedIn as Dr. Joe Johnson. And I'm also always on Instagram as well, at Joe Johnson Speaks. Perfect. Perfect. So you you kind of alluded to it there, but what's next for you? What are we going to hear about? So we've got this amazing book out. What what are we going to hear about that's next for you? Yeah, once again, I'm, I'm pushing uh, individual healing right now. Pushing yeah. that is so important because once again, so many people will do everything else but look within, right? And so my thing is, is, is really helping individuals do that, tap into that healing. But the other thing is this, um, like I said, as a speaker, as a, as, as a person that has the ability to communicate and communicate effectively, um, I'm getting creative. With, with what I do. And so I've been able to pitch a couple of shows out in LA. I'm working on um, really getting on uh, either the television screen or one of the networks to exp expand my brand and mm -hmm. just to really uh, make sure that that the, the, the narrative shifts from dream big, follow your dreams, to pursue your purpose. Mm. Right? So that's my biggest thing right now. Getting on the networks. Well, we have a former network executive listening right now. You heard that, oh. Michelle. Come on, pull some strings. Make it happen, <laughs> Michelle. We got That's you. right. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom um, and your energy. I love the way that you show up. We've we've had some conversations and they've just been excellent conversations. And I'm yes. so glad to finally have you on. We were super pumped about this interview. Absolutely. Listen, I, I just want to give you gratitude and, and just say thank you to you uh, for allowing me to get on your platform. And I pay attention to your social media, continue to do, continue to be uh, a wonderful mom to your children, a wonderful partner to your partner, and continue to just add value to the world like you've been doing. I just want to say thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to have this conversation and to, to meet someone that is so real and authentic and and doing great work out there in this world. So this is not our last conversation, Dr. Joe. Right. This is just beginning right. for us. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you right. so much. Have an amazing day. Thank you. All right. Thank you. 
We just shared my chat with Dr. Joe Johnson and his approach to pursue your purpose, not your dreams, which is the title of his book. I really enjoyed how Dr. Joe transitioned his skills as an athlete to improve on his academic performance, which was struggling, and and how that those experiences really shaped him today and his contribution today. We had a good we had a good dive into identity and how that is often the most important and hardest thing to shift about ourselves as a combination of time and money and family and really the the story that we're telling ourselves is going to keep us trapped in an identity that no longer serves us. And we know it if we just get quiet with ourselves. I love the moment in his story, um, his pivot, when he got off stage and he's speaking and inspiring others about their lives, only to realize he needed to get his life and his own relationship in order. And it was time to do that right now. Dr. Joe is a disruptor in all the greatest of ways. Connect with him. When you hear about his next speaking engagement, go and see him live. As for now, be sure you are doing the work that you love. And if you aren't, have an honest conversation with yourself about how to get aligned. And here's the thing. Don't expect others to see your vision. Yes, they may love you, but they're invested. They are comfortable with the current version of you. So sometimes they're going to try to talk you out of your vision. Just because they don't see it for you does not mean that you just turn the other direction. Get after it and inspire some people along the way. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.